welcome to Menopause in the Kitchen, where we talk all things food and nutrition for women in their midlife years. I'm Rachel Cooper, dietitian and food lover, with a passion for sharing information about nutrition in practical ways, so that you can take what you need and implement it into your lifestyle. Join me in my kitchen as I share bite-sized chunks of information to help you nourish your body and thrive in your midlife years and beyond. Hello and welcome back everyone to Menopause in the Kitchen. Um, I'm happy to be back here talking to you about another menopause topic. In fact, this topic can be related to people um, who aren't in menopause or aren't even women. Um, So it may be interesting to um, some other people as well who may be having issues with, um, with this condition. And what I'm going to be talking about today is acid reflux Um, and we're going to talk about what acid reflux actually is, um, how it's connected to menopause and what the research says around, um, you know, whether acid reflux is, you know, more of an issue during menopause and why that might be. And then talk about some of the lifestyle changes that you may be able to make to help to control your symptoms if um, acid reflux is something that is bothering you. Um, I must say from the very start, of course, as I always do, that if you're having any of the symptoms that I mention, please go and see your doctor first. Um, Some of the symptoms can be due to other things, so you can't just assume that it is acid reflux. And so it's really good to go and speak to your doctor first and just get checked out. Um, And then if this is what the diagnosis is, then of course, you know, my suggestions today will be hopefully um, helpful to you in managing those symptoms. But as always, please go and make sure that it is acid reflux that you are dealing with and not something else um, and maybe something more serious. So let's, um, let's jump in, shall we, and talk about what acid reflux actually is. Now, acid reflux is kind of the common term um, that many of us use to describe a condition called gastroesophageal reflux disease. That's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Um, But it's often um, used as an, the acronyms often used to um, refer to this this condition. And uh, it's usually uh, referred to as GERD or GORD. Now that depends on where you are from and how you spell esophagus, esophagus, esophagus. (laughs) I'm having one of those, um, you know, not not able to speak days. Um, so depending on how you spell esophagus, if you spell it with an E at the start, then, uh, you know, the, the reference is GERD. Um, but as here in Australia, you might put an um, an O E at the start of esophagus. And, um, and that's where we call it gourd. So look for, for just to keep things easier, I'm just going to call it GERD, okay? Because um, I think that's probably the most sort of uh, common um, word that is used. Um, but yeah, you may may hear it being called GORD or uh, um, if you're from certain areas that spell esophagus a little bit differently. So what is 
GERD, what is gastroesophageal reflux disease? Now, we call it acid reflux because uh, we think of it as acid from the stomach refluxing back up into the esophagus. And so that's why that's that's what the common term is. But basically what it refers to is when the stomach contents do come up into the esophagus and cause a variety of uncomfortable symptoms. And it can occur for a range of different reasons. I'll talk about some of the common ones in a moment. Um, but basically, when you think about the stomach and what's in the stomach, the, the, the um, juices in the stomach, the digestive juices are acidic. And that's really important for digestion, for starting digestion, um, also for preventing any kind of infections from bacteria and other things that we may have um, eaten with whatever we've consumed and so it's a bit of a um, you know immune um, protection for our body as well and the stomach lining is designed to be able to withstand the acid in the stomach so it's 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 made to be able to um, you know take acid and it's not going to necessarily get damaged by it um, then there's, for, so when you look at the top of the stomach and where it connects to the esophagus, and the esophagus is that um, long pipe that goes from our mouth, from the back of our throat down into our stomach, and that's basically where food travels, so it's the food pipe. Um, so where that joins to the stomach, there's a valve or what we call a sphincter um, between the stomach and the esophagus. And um, that normally stops it opens up when you've eaten something and you're allowing food to go into the stomach, but then it usually closes up to stop the stomach contents from coming back up the esophagus. Um, so that's basically how how that works. Now, the esophagus lining is not designed to take acid um, contents. So the stomach is, but the esophagus isn't. So when we have um, GERD, esophageal reflux, um, what happens is that sphincter may not be working as well and it might push, the food might push up into, or the, the stomach contents will push up into the esophagus and it can cause pain or burning. So another very common term for this is heartburn because usually around that sort of upper part of the chest, uh, not the upper part, the lower part of the chest area um, is uh, often has a, a burning feeling. Um, and that's one of the symptoms that people often um, can experience. And uh, so, so another term is heartburn. But not everyone gets that feeling. So you can still have GERD um, without having that burning feeling. So there could be some other symptoms that you may be experiencing. So we don't want those acidic contents of the stomach to be coming up the esophagus on a regular basis because the lining of the esophagus can then become damaged over time because it's not meant to be, you know, dealing with acid on a regular basis. So that's basically what it is, okay? And there's a range of different symptoms um, that you that that are most commonly reported. As I mentioned, 
heartburn is one of them. So that burning feeling, it's usually soon after a meal, often at nighttime as well, or when you're lying down, um, because obviously the you've got more chance, you've got gravity to um, help you, and you've got more chance of the, the stomach contents coming up into the esophagus, particularly if that valve, maybe um, that sphincter isn't working as well as it should be. So heartburn is one, but again, not always um, a symptom. Secondly, and I must say also, this is why I say always go to your doctor, because um, I do know of some patients that I have um, seen in hospital in the past who have come in because they've had a heart attack and they thought they just had reflux. So you can get similar kind of um, pain in that chest area with a heart attack. Um, and I'm not doing, I'm not saying this to, to make you scared if you feel any burning, but certainly if you're starting to feel unwell and you're feeling some other symptoms, um, you know, that's, that's certainly, uh, you know, you, you're signed to go and get it checked out. Um, but it is interesting that I've had patients who have said, oh, I just thought I had a bit of heartburn and they're actually having um, a heart attack. But not everyone feels heartburn. So some of the other symptoms that some people um, might experience is lots of burping. So particularly like in, in the time after a meal, um, some burping's fine. I think that's quite normal. And particularly if you've had maybe a fizzy drink or something like that. Um, or if you've eaten a bit too quickly, but um, you, people with reflux, um, esophageal reflux can often sort of get lots of sort of burping um, in that period after a meal. The other thing might be just an uncomfortable feeling or pain around the chest area. Again, this is why you should always uh, get it checked out. It could be many different things. Um, the other thing might be a persistent cough, uh, especially at nighttime, because often when you're lying down, the stomach contents can come up the esophagus uh, quite a way and it can actually um, yeah, cause a, a cough and also uh, like a, a sore throat as well, because it can sort of be up that top part of the esophagus near the throat. And so um, some people might find that they've got like a bit of a persistent sore throat um, or that cough and um, also that sour taste in the mouth. So when it, you know, when you've burped or had a little bit of a regurgitation, um, you know, you kind of taste that horrible, ugh, that acidic sort of um, sour taste. And that when that happens every now and again, that's perfectly fine. But with people with GERD, this might be happening quite regularly. Um, and some other people might also uh, find that they have difficulty swallowing. So they have that feeling like there's something at the back of their throat and and swallowing things might um, feel a little bit different. So again, really important to get that checked out though because it can be lots of different things. So they're the common symptoms that people will often, um, you won't have all of them, you may have some of them, um, but they're, they're the common symptoms that people often report um, who have acid reflux. So then the next question, I guess, is well, what causes it? Um, so one of the main reasons is that sphincter not working properly um, and that can come with age uh, certainly um, but uh, for some people it's just more it's you know they seem to have more issues with this sphincter not working very well compared to others. Um, delayed stomach emptying so if you're 
digestive system has slowed down, um, the delayed stomach emptying because you've got um, the stomach contents sitting in the stomach longer and they're not emptying at the other end um, can increase the risk of uh, having um, reflux. Um, hiatus hernia. So um, I'll leave a link in the notes below um, uh, an article you can read about what hiatus hernia is, but um, a hernia in that area around the stomach and esophagus can um, can cause um, reflux. And that's something yeah, that you would need to be diagnosed by your doctor. Um, and you may have to actually look at having that hernia repaired um, to stop your your issues. The other thing that could uh, exacerbate GERD is stress um, because stress increases acid production in the stomach. And so if you've already got issues with GERD, um, you might find that when you're stressed, your symptoms get worse. I don't know that stress itself by itself causes GERD, but it certainly exacerbates the problem if you already have it. And then there are some conditions like type 2 diabetes, for example, that um, tend to have a higher incidence of GERD as well. So sometimes it sort of comes part and parcel with some other conditions. So I guess um, what was interesting to me and something that I uh, wanted to look into was does menopause and, you know, perimenopause and those changing hormones, does that cause more acid reflux? Does it have, is there any sort of real association there? So I looked into the research and had a look at some review studies that looked at, basically a review study looks at all the different studies that have been conducted um, to see what the, the common um, consensus is, I guess. And what they did find was that women do have a higher incidence of GERD. And there are a few studies. Um, again, I will link all these down in the show notes if you're interested in looking at them more closely. But there's a few studies that have actually shown that menopausal women have a higher incidence of GERD compared to premenopausal women. And it ranged from 2.9 to 3.5 times more likely. So there were a couple of um, different studies. One found 2.9 and the other 3.5. But certainly the consensus is that there is a higher incidence um, once women uh, reach menopause, which suggests that there may be a hormonal link to this. Um, the other thing, I guess, is that we also know that estrogen um, plays a part in gut motility. So which is why we, when our estrogen levels drop, many women will often have gastrointestinal um, issues. So whether it is in the stomach or whether it's in the bowel or so on, um, it slows down the movement of the food and, and whatever's being digested throughout the, the gastrointestinal tract. Um, and so therefore, if you've got, um, you know, less gastric emptying, so stomach emptying, that could increase your risk of having experience, um, having symptoms of, of GERD. So, um, that's po a possible, um, reason why, um, but in fact, not a lot is known. We know that it's more common, but not a lot is actually known about 
why. <laughs> I seem to be finding this a lot with um, menopause research. Um, there's just there's just not enough research being done to actually find out the reasons why. Um, I think I think research into menopause and its effect on health is really increasing now, but you know over the years there just really hasn't been a lot. There's one thing I did pick up. Um, there was some recent research. Um, that revealed that women on um, HRT, hormone replacement therapy, had an increased incidence of GERD. So this is a little bit conflicting because if we think that uh, if the hormones like estrogen are dropping and that might be causing an increased incidence of GERD, but then if women are on HRT and they have a um, you know an increased incidence of GERD, the HRT is actually replacing the hormones. So, um, yeah, so it's 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 kind of really hard to know exactly what is going on because of the lack of research. Um, so at this stage, all I can say is the research is quite limited. Um, and, you know, it might be the, the HRT um, – the women on HRT, the the reason that they gave is it possibly is because that um, estrogen tends to relax muscles and the sphincter, and maybe that relaxes it too much and causes GERD. Um, but I mean, you know, women who are premenopausal have you know normal normal estrogen levels, and that doesn't seem to be an issue. So. Really, all I can say is the research says that there's an increase incident incidence, but why is really still a bit of a mystery. Um, so one thing I will say about HRT, though, is just because it increases um, the incidence of GERD is not a reason not to have HRT. Um, the the um, the benefits that you can get from HRT far outweigh um, the risk of having GERD, and GERD is quite a uh, easily treatable um, conditions. So, you know, something to discuss with your doctor, obviously, um, but generally it's not going to stop you from, from using um, HRT. The other thing that I found in the research was that damage to the lining of the esophagus. So as I mentioned earlier, when you get a lot of that acidic juices coming up the esophagus, it increases um, the risk of damage to the esophagus. And what they found was those who were women who were um, from menopause onwards um, had increased damage to the esophagus when they had GERD compared to premenopausal women with GERD. Um, and that's because estrogen protects the lining of the esophagus. So the fact that they have lower estrogen levels means that there's more likely to have damage um, of the esophagus lining. So that is that is something that another lot of research that came out that was sort of related to menopause and hormones. All right, so that's really what we know about menopause. We know it's more, you know, there's there's an increased incidence at, at, at that time, but we don't really understand why or what's what's actually going on. Not at this stage. And of course, if I know um, more, if any more research comes out in this, I will certainly give you all an update. So how do we treat GERD? How do we treat acid reflux? There's a, a range of different options and it's really going to depend. And this is where you need to have a discussion with your doctor about what is the best treatment for you. 
because it's going to depend on how severe your symptoms are, um, how much damage there might be to the esophagus. So your doctor may want you to have um, a gastroscopy where they pop a um, put a, uh, a camera down your throat and have a look at your esophagus and see what the damage looks like. They might even take a few um, little samples and send them off to be um, analysed at pathology. Um, and it also might depend on how much it's affecting your quality of life. Um, if your symptoms are really severe and it's affecting the things that you want to be able to do, then you know that's something that you need to sort of weigh up. So depending on your situation, your doctor may um, prescribe uh, some medications. There are over-the-counter medications that people can take. There are prescription medications. I'm not going to talk about that because that is not my area of expertise. And that is something, like I said, that you should have a discussion with your, with your doctor about to see what might be best for you. Um, and in severe cases, there's uh, surgery that can be um, performed to help to fix the, the issue um, that's uh, causing the reflux. So yeah, have a, have a chat with your doctor. It's really going to depend on your individual um, specific uh, symptoms and um, you know what, whatever else is going on with you medically. However, what I, I do want to talk about um, mostly today is lifestyle changes and particularly around food and eating and how that can help in um, managing your symptoms. Whether you go on medication or not, these changes, these lifestyle changes can still be helpful. So for some people with um, more mild reflux, this might be all that you actually need to keep your symptoms under control. Um, however, if you are needing some medication, whether it's from a pharmacy or prescription, like over-the-counter or prescription meds, um, these lifestyle changes can also help. Um, so it can be like an adjunct um, therapy to your, your med medications that you're taking. So some of the things, some of the lifestyle things and um, that you can try and see whether this helps you is if you're a smoker, um, the evidence shows that quitting smoking can reduce uh, your reflux and reduce your symptoms, reducing stress. Um, so if you find, particularly if your uh, symptoms become worse at stressful times, that might be something to then look into how can you reduce your stress levels, whether you try to do that yourself or whether um, you get professional help to, um, you know, to assist you in, in reducing your stress levels. The other thing that can be really helpful is raising your bed head. Um, so about 20 centimeters. Um, so you don't want to just raise your pillow because raising your pillow, you tend to just slip down anyway. <laughs> um, but actually, actually raising the whole bed at the, at the top end of your bed. So you might put some blocks or um, bricks or something underneath the, um, the head, the, the legs at the head of the bed to kind of lift you up a little bit. And that just helps when you're lying down. Like I said, you haven't got gravity on your side. So there's more chance of, um, you know, the stomach contents coming up your esophagus. So by lifting that bed head, that just helps to raise you up a little bit and gives you a little bit more protection. So that can be helpful for some people. Um, and the other thing would be, 
uh, to avoid lying down too soon after a meal. So, you know, you go and have a big meal and then you go and lie down on the couch flat, you know, probably not a good idea if you're getting reflux symptoms because, um, yeah, so try to keep yourself upright on a recliner or have some pillows or something like that. So you're more at a 45 degree angle rather than laying completely flat. And that's really important for up to about two hours after eating because that's in general two hours is the amount of time for your stomach to empty its content contents for most people that is all right so what about diet what about food and eating what can you do that might help um, and I'm going to give you a list of different options here and not all of this is going to help everyone so it's really a trial and error sort of thing where you just give it a go, monitor and see whether your symptoms um, are improving. And, you know, if they're not, then that's fine. You can, you know, go back to having that. It's not making any difference. Um, But uh, yeah, you might find that when you have certain things, you're noticing that your symptoms are increasing. You may want to keep a bit of a diary, um, even if you just write down when you do feel your symptoms and just think about what you've done recently or what you've eaten recently um, in, you know, the the um, that, that day. Um, so, you know, what, what sort of meals did I have? So maybe you had uh, reflux symptoms in the evening. You can jot that down and say, okay, I've, I've had these symptoms, go back and look at that day. What did, what did you eat? And is there anything you can pinpoint? And I really stress here that please don't go cutting whole food groups out and things like that without having some advice from someone who knows um, how to assist you with this, like a dietitian. Um, but some of the foods that people might find is alcohol. Um, so those with reflux might find that after drinking alcohol, their symptoms increase. That might be uh, dependent on how much. So maybe one, um, you know, one glass of wine or one beer or something like that might uh, be okay. But once you have more than that, then it starts to cause issues. Um, But for some, they might be more sensitive and any alcohol will actually increase their symptoms. So that's something just to be aware of. When you do drink alcohol, do you find that your symptoms are getting worse afterwards? Coffee um, and other other caffeine-containing drinks. So caffeine can increase reflux symptoms. Um, I myself have slight mild reflux. Um, I don't take any medication apart from sometimes some over-the-counter stuff. Um, and I have been making a few sort of changes to um, help to reduce my symptoms and it has been working. Coffee is one thing I have not really <laughs> wanted to give up because <laughs> I like it too much. But what I do is I, and, and I've been doing this for a while anyways, my, I only really drink coffee in the morning and then from midday onwards I don't. And that's really about trying to um, help myself get a good night's sleep. Um, but hopefully that might be uh, a factor in hopefully not. I haven't noticed that it's increased my my symptoms in any way, but that's something to look at. Uh, spicy foods. So some people find that spicy foods will increase their symptoms. Um, and the other thing is uh, foods that are really high in fat. So fried foods, um, cream, pastry, fatty meats and butter and things like that. The reason why is um, fat takes a lot longer to digest and it slows down gastric emptying, so emptying of the stomach. 
And so it sits, the, the food tends to sit longer in your stomach, which then increases the risk of it coming up. And I certainly have found if I have too, I can have a little bit of pastry, but if I have too much, I definitely get symptoms. Um, and same with cream. I can have some, but once I sort of have a little bit too much, it tends to cause issues for me. So just keeping an eye on when you have those foods and seeing whether your symptoms are increasing. Other things are like carbonated drinks, so soft drinks, soda and so on, anything that's bubbly um, because it increases the, the, the pressure and, of course, we all know it causes burping. So burping is that, you know, you will get that sphincter sort of opening a bit to let out some, some gas um, and you can get um, stomach contents coming up at the same time. And the other things that some people report as increasing their symptoms are chocolate, peppermint and citrus foods. Um, I still haven't given up chocolate either, but <laughs> I don't think it's causing too many issues. But for, for right now, it wasn't something that I was wanting to, to give up. Um, and, and again, it may not be totally eliminating them altogether. It might just be, you know, watching how much you're having. Maybe if you have a certain amount, then it causes your symptoms, but a smaller amount is okay. Um, and a lot of people talk about acidic foods, and I guess that's where citrus comes in. Um, and they think that if you have acidic foods, it causes um, more um, acid in the stomach or, you know, increases the, the acid. It doesn't. Um, the acid in your stomach is a higher pH. So pH is a measure of acidity. Um, so lower numbers are acidic and higher numbers are alkaline and in the middle is neutral. Um, our stomach acidity, the pH, is it's a much higher acidity than anything we would eat. <laughs> so eating acidic foods doesn't necessarily raise the acidity in the stomach. But what it can do is if you've already got some damage in your esophagus lining, so you've got some inflammation and some damage, those acidic foods and particularly things like citrus can sort of burn that that sort of inflamed area. So that's where people will say, oh, it makes my heartburn worse. Um, it's not because it's um, increasing the acid in your stomach. It does not do that. But it's because as it's coming down the esophagus, if your esophagus is inflamed and damaged, it's causing some burning and it's hurting. OK, so that's what causes um, the pain. In addition to looking at um, the types of foods that you're eating, the other thing to look at is how and when you're eating. Um, so you're eating patterns. Having large meals are, are likely to increase, for many people, increase their symptoms because the more you fill the stomach up, the more chance that it's going to come up that esophagus. Um, so small, more frequent meals and snacks might be helpful if that is an issue for you. Um, and the other thing is looking at your timing of eating. So eating too close to bedtime. So, you know, you eat a meal and then you're lying in bed um, can certainly increase your symptoms at nighttime and in, and in the morning. So gravity is your friend after meals. You really want to be staying upright. So if you're able to, I know that this is not possible for everyone, but if you can have your evening meal uh, a little earlier, if at least it's sort of at least sort of two hours before you're about to go to bed, that would be ideal. Um, I know again, not doable for everybody, but if that is um, if that is something you can do, try to make sure that your um, yeah your evening meal 
is sort of at least two hours before you're about to go to bed. So that just increases the the um, amount of time for the stomach to empty the contents and then um, hopefully then have less symptoms when you go to bed. All right. Um, and just before we finish up, a couple of things that I'm just going to um, bring up is what sort of foods could you eat to reduce reflux? Um, so yes, restricting or avoiding some of those trigger foods can certainly help, but research has also shown that increasing your intake of certain foods might actually help treat or prevent GERD. So first thing is fruit and vegetables. Surprise, surprise, that seems to come up with everything, doesn't it? But there is a study that found that people who ate more fruit and vegetables had a lower risk of GERD. Um, Now, if you do have GERD symptoms, lowering your acidic fruits, um, so not having those sort of more acidic fruits and having things like bananas and melons and pears that are less acidic, um, maybe less triggering for your symptoms. But again, for some people, they may not like any fruit might be fine and they don't. I certainly, you know, I have citrus fruits and so on, and it doesn't seem to bother me at all. So it really just depends. But if they are an issue, try to, you know, include more of those lower acidic fruits, um, if they are a trigger food for you. Fiber-rich foods like oats um, and other whole grains and legumes have also been shown to reduce the incidence of GERD. Uh, yogurt has been reported to be soothing for acid reflux so not necessarily going to be like a a cure but for some people they've found that it is soothing and I would say that's most likely due to if you've got some damage in in the esophagus so you've got that inflammation Um, and also the probiotics in yogurt um, can also help to restore gut microorganisms which can then sort of you know improve your gut health um, overall Um, there's no strong evidence that that specifically reduces GERD but if we're looking at um, an an overall gut health which includes your stomach and your esophagus um, probiotics can certainly help to keep those microorganisms in a in a good balance um, protein foods like lean um, poultry fish tofu low-fat dairy um, can be helpful as well um, i don't normally recommend low-fat dairy uh, <laughs> but if if fat content of foods is a trigger food for you, if it's an issue, then then that might be um, something that you could try. Remember, though, if it's if it's not helpful for you, don't don't bother. You know, uh, suffering through eating low fat cheese if you really don't have to. <laughs> Um, And then also foods higher in omega-3 fats like oily fish, uh, linseeds or flax seeds and walnuts can help reduce inflammation, which you often get in that lower part of the esophagus from reflux. So there's some of the foods you may like to include in your diet more to help with preventing GERD or, um, you know, in your management of it if you already have it. So that's, in a nutshell, that's that's it. That's acid reflux. That's what we know about um, menopause and uh, diet and lifestyle factors that can um, help in treating those symptoms or, or at least reducing those symptoms. Um, so in summary, please, as I said earlier, make sure that you do go and see your doctor and get checked out and have a bit of a management plan depending on how things are going for you and how severe your symptoms are 
But all of these dietary and lifestyle changes can be helpful whether you're on medication or not. So if you are interested in referring back to this information that I've spoken to and don't necessarily want to come back and listen to the whole podcast again, um, I do have a blog post on my website um, on acid reflux and menopause. Um, So pretty much the information that I've presented in this podcast is in written format on the blog. Um, So head over to my website, the website link will be down below. I'll actually put the blog post link directly um, in the show notes as well. And you can refer to that um, down the track if you sort of need to go, now what did Rachel say about blah, 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 and you don't want to necessarily listen to the whole um, podcast again. Um, you can go to that blog post and scan and find the information that you need. So I'll put the link to that post down below and you can refer to that in future if you need to kind of go back and refresh your memory about the things that I spoke about today. So that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, And if you've enjoyed this episode and any of my other episodes, um, please make sure that you follow um, the podcast. So press the little follow or subscribe button so that you can get updates uh, and notifications about when I've posted uh, or uploaded another um, episode. And if you're really enjoying my content and would like to give me a review, I would love that because that helps other people find my podcast and get the information that they need to thrive during menopause. So um, I will leave it there. And thank you so much. I look forward to being back in your ears very soon. Thank you.